Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA high school soccer championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Free Hill got a block. Here come the Huskers. Newsom. Six. I love Quinn Newsom. Hold was good. Kick is up. Long enough. And good enough. From 55, a career long for Tristan Alvano. Really excited to see it go through, so it was amazing. And the ball's intercepted, picked off by Tommy Hill. There's an INT. He's at the 15 to the 20, breaks a tackle, skirts to the outside, 25, makes another man miss, slides his way to the 28 yard line. Tommy Hill's second pick in his many weeks. This is Sparta! Give it to Johnson. Johnson up ahead. Touchdown, Nebraska. Ready your breakfast and eat hot. Fourth and 12, hard. Picked up again. Tommy Hill, his second pick of the ball game. We will stand and fight. Get in the end zone. It'll be a safety. A new age has begun. Wide open is Jalen Lloyd. The throw, he makes a catch. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Spartans. Tonight, we died in hell! Touchdown, Nebraska! The ball's picked up by the Huskers. Scooting down the sidelines, Quinn Newsom to the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! You fight if it means you die. You fight, fight, fight! Take for what you want. And I'm just waiting for something to happen. Who's the guy that's supposed to make a difference? I'm surrounded by it. And you guys freaking do it. We on the same page? Fight, fight, fight! We're in for one wild night. And if we die, we die. I do like the addition of Spartans. I know, there's like a lot of, I didn't realize it at the time, so good on Shane for picking it up. There, there are, there's a lot of 300 vibes in some of those speeches. Or mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, okay, I could do this. However, we are playing Michigan State. And are we promoting the fact oh, that shoot. they are Spartans? Well, maybe, but I think we are. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the Persians did win that war, so 
I don't think anybody was cheering for them, Robbie. I understand that. And maybe nobody's cheering for Nebraska, but if we're doing a corollary here, you know. <laughs> and you know, you know what? Nebraska does have bodies on top of bodies on top of bodies that just keep coming in and replacing guys. It's true. So that doesn't shock me that you compared them to the Persians. I mean, listen, you know, they— We have everybody. You have three people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the— uh... You know, the, the 90s Huskers were probably a version of an empire, right? So we're just we're getting this thing rolling Yeah, and again. you know what? It may take five weeks in order to defeat the teams <laughs> that you want to defeat. But guess what? That's exactly what Nebraska's doing right now. And they could be in position for six. A six on the win column side of your record, but we Robbie. Don't, we don't just want one more. Matt, Matt Rule told us we don't just want one more. Well, it's one day at a time. Yeah. Right, right, so, day by day. So 1-0. Oh. We'll go 1-0 mm-hmm. oh this week. And then we'll go 3-0 and the, and oh down the stretch. <laughs> I mean, listen, I think they do lose one down the stretch. I don't know who. Stop it. No, no I'm just being – but I think 8-4 and four is like – I think that's where I'm at now. Which Even if they go 8-4, and four, there's still a chance that oh, they play in Indy. Absolutely, yeah. They don't have to win out to go to Indy. That's, but if they do win out, they almost certainly will play in Indy because, let's be honest, Minnesota's going to lose to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That is an inevitability. Um, so, I mean, listen, this is, if you had told me at the start of the season that I'd be sitting here, they're at five and three and they lost to both Minnesota and Colorado, I'd be like, yeah, that's not happening. That's not on the table. Yeah. If you, uh, if you made a poll, that would probably have the lowest percentage of votes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought, first of all, I thought they needed to win both of those to make a bowl game. To make a bowl game. Not talking about win the West. Not talking about get to six wins. Or not talking about get to eight wins. I'm talking about get to six wins win a bowl, to make a bowl game. I thought they needed both of those. Yeah, you know, also I think we gave Illinois too much credit coming into Probably, the year. Probably because they were last better last year, right? Um, probably didn't give Colorado enough credit, even though they're not what the college football world wanted them to be early in the season. They're dramatically more functional than I thought they'd be at any point this year. Um, so good on them there for that. Um you know, and Minnesota, the Minnesota game was exactly what I thought it was going to be, just it went the wrong way. Right. Right? Like, that's exactly how you expect every Nebraska-Minnesota game to play out. And it went the wrong way for Nebraska. And that's, you know, it happens. But but you know what? Right now, things are going right for Nebraska. No, things are going great. And they're they, playing great football down the back half of the season, which is when you're supposed to be playing your best football. Yeah, they've won five out of six. They are on the doorstep of, a, of bowl eligibility for the first time since 2016. They're on the doorstep of, of being – I mean, they control their own destiny for – basically control their own destiny to play in the Big Ten Championship game. How weird is that to say? Super Nebraska weird. Nebraska controls it's November. their own destiny. It's November, and Nebraska's playing football that matters. I'm not really fully prepared for this. Last time this happened, I was not doing this job. Like, I was in, really in Were any – Were you in radio? Mostly just Creighton stuff at the time. Like, I really had – in 2016 – I really hadn't started getting many opportunities to do stuff outside of Funny you of say that. Yet. Shane, where were you in 2016? Like, wh- what is your biggest, like, 2016 memory? I was probably producing a radio show in well, 2016. Well, that's, yes, <laughs> that's pretty obvious. Uh, yeah. But, like, what's your, like, top memory from 2016? Yeah, I don't know. I can't even remember what I did yesterday, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't. You, I, you, yeah, you were texting us the whole time. The whole you were at the car dealership. <laughs> in yeah. 2016, Robbie. I was a freshman in college. I was going to say, were you even in college yet? Yeah, but so you were, you were just in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was living in Ashland with my ex-wife, and I hadn't, yeah, I was only doing Creighton stuff at the time for radio, and yeah, I was still like a f- another year away from getting divorced, 
And oh, so good memories for you. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it just got dark. <laughs> I mean, I talk about my divorce all the time. It's not a big deal. You do? Yeah, you know. Um, I'm trying to think what else I was doing in 26. I was working at, I was working downtown in downtown Omaha two companies ago now for my day job at least. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a minute. You know, now that I think about it, I think 2016 would be sophomore year because you would have to wrap it. It would be the I – I graduated high school in 15, which means 15, 16. Yeah, so 16 would have been spring your freshman right. year. So it would have been, been fall of your sophomore fall year. Fall of my sophomore yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was living in a dorm. <laughs> I was calling college basketball games for Lindenwood, which, by the way – They're going to be right by down – By the way. Right down – On Monday. Woods. Are you going down? Over at PBA. If somebody would like to hook me up with tickets that they don't want to go watch an exhibition game between Nebraska and Lindenwood. Come on, you can't get credentialed for that? Come on, man. Hit me up. No, I probably could. I just probably – I just got to reach out to uh, – who's – Keith? Is, he, is it Keith? Well, no, Keith is the – is he everybody? Um, or is he just football? I thought he was football, men's basketball, but I might be wrong. No, Seamus. It's Seamus. Seamus. Seamus okay. does men's basketball. Yeah, I could probably reach out to him. Yeah, I'm sure he – yeah. Uh, because I'm going to that game. Oh, for sure. You have to. <laughs> we were texting Masauder this morning, who will be on the show with us at 9, as he always is on Friday. He uh, sent me, well, sent us, rather, uh, the homepage for Lindenwood men's basketball. <laughs> and, and he goes, yeah, Lindenwood, not good. Not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as he's drinking his, uh, uh, what, what is the line in Elf? It, it tastes like a... Um, Tastes like Christmas in a cup? Is no, that, no, is no that? Christmas in a cup is, is the proposal. Oh, that's um, right. It, Underrated movie, by the way. Well, when they I go to uh, World's Best Cup of Coffee and she's like, it tastes like a... Uh, it tastes like a crappy cup crappy of coffee. Crappy cup of coffee. Okay. He's like, no, it's the world's best cup <laughs> right, of coffee. Exactly. <laughs> so he's drinking his crappy cup of coffee at the, at the hospital. And then he calls Lindenwood. The same thing? No way, Mike. Keenan Cole averaged 12 points a game last year as a freshman. Nailed it. Projected to be... An all OVC team member in some capacity, probably yep. first team. He's dropping forty. Uh, that seems unlikely. He's he is Casey Tomanaga of the OVC. <laughs> has Casey Tomanaga ever dropped forty? I don't know. I don't think he has. <laughs> but all I do know is Lindenwood will probably not show up the way that I hope they would in that game. Um, I mean, listen, but it's okay. Those are I've been on the Lindenwood side of those games. It's it's really tricky. And now tell me this though, Robbie. Yeah. How many teams that shouldn't have won their opener against D1 college basketball teams actually won their opener? Yeah, I mean, there's been several D2 teams with exhibitions this year, and there always and is. Lindenwood's D1. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but I mean, there's been bigger gaps, mm-hmm. right? And although there are some, just being totally honest, from recruiting and stuff, there's there's some. D1s on the East Coast, especially some of those really small D1s that are worse than the D2s around here. Like Wayne State's better than... I think uh, Longwood came out here a few years ago to play Creighton. And like Wayne State's better than Longwood. Uh, Wayne State's uh, probably not... I don't know if they're better than Florida A&M. I haven't looked at Florida A&M yet this year. Um, I will this weekend because I'm on the call on, on Tuesday. But the there's there's some of the small D1 teams that I think there's some NAIs around here that are as good as, because the NAIs around here are incredible. 
it's because you you pick up a local talent that wants to stay close to yeah, home. and that gets overlooked, or you know they get a walk on offer at a D one somewhere, right. or you know the, a lot of the times, and if you're not in this world, you have no reason to know this, but a lot of times D twos will offer like a thirty percent or forty percent scholarship, and that happens a lot of NAIs too, but. A guy that's getting 30 or 40% at a D2 is probably getting 60, 70, 80% at an NAIA. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you go, okay, I could play at a higher level or I could have most of my school paid for. Right. And if you've got Pell Grant or anything else like that, like you can almost go for full tuition at some of these NAIA schools. And so like I, that's why I got, like, schools like Morningside will mm -hmm. pretty frequently poach Division II quality guys from like Connor Milliken. Connor like, Milliken's a great, great example. Great example from Lafayette um, last year. There's I mean, been he's going to Dort. There's been several guys in the in the area that when I was recruiting the area, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's a D2 guy. I can't touch him. And they end up going to Morningside or somewhere like that. And I still couldn't touch him because I'm not winning a recruiting battle against Morningside. But at the time, it was like, man, that's so frustrating because we still have to go play. We still have to go play Morningside. Right. It's like I understood losing recruiting battles to, for kids that I knew were NAI kids. But for them to pull down D2 kids frequently was, was challenging. Well, it's harder, too, uh, to compete with the playing, time, the playing time element that NAIA offers versus D1 right away. Sure, um, yeah. It, if you're like a fringe D1 guy. And basketball's yeah. that sport to where you can't just find another position on the court that you're good at. Um, or like another position on the field, I guess I should say, that you're good at. If you take baseball or you take football, mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen it with this Nebraska football team. We've seen guys go from offense to defense, lickety-split, yeah. and get playing time because they're just looking for playing time and there's, there's just more spots to fill, so it's easier to find it. Now, there's also greater in number, right. but there's still, you know, easier easier spots on the field to, to jump into well there's because no you can get your playing time whether it's in special teams form or or like I said offensively or defensively but there's five spots on a basketball court and you're probably not playing the center position if you aren't <laughs> over a certain height sure yeah <laughs> which I would put what like six five depends on in NAIA six four yeah six four six four right? six five in NAIA. so if you are of Connor Milliken's size, and I don't even want to guess, but I know he was a guard at Platteview. Six two, maybe um, I want to say he's probably he's probably got three spots on the floor that he can legitimately play. Yeah, and now you're taking things off the table if you're going to a Nebraska, right, where you're you're plucking guys from all over the country. Meanwhile, NAI is so localized when they're finding guys like yes they can get you know uh, some somebody you know in the portal or or you know somebody that is um you know in a bordering state but I'll tell you this Ravi I didn't even know anything about NAIA schools mm -hmm. when I was getting recruited mm -hmm. because it seemed as though NAIA never branched out further than their borders yeah which is super unusual and I mean it's not unusual but it's very specific to the school right because especially for us we weren't a very well established when I was at Grace and Nebraska Christian College. We weren't nearly as well established as the NAIs in our area. So we tried super hard to get local kids, but we knew that the kids around here that knew of the Morningsides and the Dones and the places like that and the Concordias, mm -hmm. um, that we were probably losing those recruiting battles. So we tried as hard as we could to get some local kids, but we branched out a ton. So our roster was from all over the place because we had to, right? Because the 
kids around here, it was going to be really hard to get them to come to us instead of a Morningside or instead of a Doan or one of those places. And so we had kids from like Vegas, California, Florida, like we literally went nationwide. And what our strategy was, and a lot of it's, it, it's weird because it's, it's regional, right? There's certain parts of the country that have a ton of NAI schools, like Nebraska, Nebraska, Iowa, South Dakota. There's a ton of NAI schools right 100%. around here. Colorado, I don't think has a single one. I don't think Missouri has one. They have like one D2 in Colorado because I think Adam State just – maybe Adam State just moved from D2 to NAI. I'm not sure. There's been recent movement there, but there's not a ton of D2s. There's no or one NAI now. There was no NAIs when, I, when we were recruiting out there. Our best players came from Colorado, because, which I get as a border state, but because – plenty in Missouri. Jeez, there's a ton. Yeah, we've, we've, we played a bunch in Missouri. Um and Kansas like but this region is is super NAI heavy but we would go to Colorado and we had a kid that ended up getting kind of recruited and he still plays professional basketball but he ended up getting recruited and to transfer to bigger schools and he didn't but he scored 40 on Oral Roberts when we played him Mm -hmm. like and he he dropped 72 on Doan when we played him like this dude was just a walking bucket and we only got him because he was in Colorado and nobody had there's no NAIs or D2s out there to recruit him. And so it, it really is super region-specific in how these teams operate. Yeah, and, and you know, that I guess the point outside of – because I didn't even know, like I said, Missouri had NAIA schools. Um, I only found out really what the NAIA was after sure, yeah. um, going to um, Iowa and covering those schools. Now, Lindenwood was NAIA at one point before sure. they went to D2. Yeah. Um, but – these schools on this list, I, I'm thinking like, okay, baseball. Like, who's a good baseball school? And I maybe see two. Mm-hmm. Two in, in Missouri, that's a good baseball school. Uh, but you can go. Then you've got up here, though, you've got Bellevue, who's like a baseball powerhouse. Right. Like, they are perennially really good mm-hmm. at baseball. Um, and then I think about yeah. football, and I'm like, like you you got to come to Iowa if you're going to be playing for the best football conference around. Because um, you get the team out of Des Moines, Marion, right? Yeah. In Des Moines, yeah. Uh, you get Morningside. You get Dort. Like, well, obviously that the GPAC conference. Yeah, Dort is, Northwestern is like the SEC, of the NAIA. Uh, in every sport, honestly, like they're incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah across they're the board, the, they're the best athletic conference in the country. But I had no idea what that was until I moved up that way, which you know is okay, right? Because yeah. It, it works for it works for the NAIA, but it it. It sucks to know that later on in life. Yeah. That, hmm. Like, what if I just, like, reached out to one of those schools? Because right. that's really what it is, especially with baseball nowadays. It's mm-hmm. you send emails to coaches mm-hmm. of you hitting balls in the cage, taking ground balls, taking fly balls, working on footwork, you know, agility drills, things like that. You send clips of that to coaches. Yeah. Because not all coaches like that are looking on the so-called recruiting sites. Yeah. To, to just well, and it's dig harder up. to find because the recruiting sites aren't as um, aren't as accurate, and a lot of mm-hmm. them are like pay sites. Like you have to right. pay to be on the site at that level, right? And so it's a lot harder to find guys. So you ha- honestly, it's a very like old school recruiting mentality where you have to have contacts in like different parts of the country that you trust and mm-hmm. can give you talent. But honestly, probably a third of our roster every year, at least maybe a third to a half was kids that reached out to us. Yeah. And, and you and kind like of, sent you kind us of tape. you kind of have an appreciation for that too, because they have a want to be yeah, there's, there. There's a, there's a obvious desire to try and perform at the next level. And 
you're making it easy on the coaches to find all your stuff. No. Because there's a lot of times where you like may see a video mm-hmm. of somebody, but that's all you see. You don't have in front of you because coaches are busy people. Yeah. Like they're, they're doing everything from recruiting to scheduling to planning trips, things like that. And practice, practice mm-hmm. with the team like almost every day, even during the offseason. You have these coaches that – are looking for things at easiest convenience. Mm-hmm. And if you're providing everything for them, they can say right then and there, yeah, this is a good person for us, or no, it's not. And then, boom, you know, hey, this school likes you or they don't. Yeah, Versus I mean, you send them one thing and they're like, oh, I'm interested, and then you never hear back. By the end of my coaching career, and I still do it kind of as a consultant uh, basis uh, for some of the guys that I know, but my entire job was basically just filtering through like scouting potential recruits, whether it was um, like any guy that reached out to us, it was my job to look into them, look at their tape and let the head coach know whether or not this was somebody worth pursuing. It was my job to basically scout the Metro and scout anybody in the area to try and figure out, hey, like which guys, not only which guys can play at this level, but which guys want to play at this level. Because that's the other thing. There's There's kids in high school that, just decide not to play anymore that probably could play at the NAI D3 level and be useful guys, right? But sometimes they're like, oh, I want to go to a big school. I just kind of want to be a student now. And, and I totally get that. But um, so it's it's a super challenging and, and really kind of old school recruiting method. But I do wish more kids understood not only like when they were in high school, not only that the NAI and D3 and all these places exist, but also the quality of of sports that are there because you know like midland's a great example out here in fremont like midland commits so much time effort resources to sports you know they've kind of decided to define their school by their athletic department and with all those different sports they offer and they've done that in a kind of in an effort to make their name known in a way that it wouldn't otherwise just be like oh isn't that that school in fremont like i don't really know Mm -hmm. but i just wish more kids knew about naia sports in general because or just lower level programs even juco nai juco um d3 even d2 to a certain extent like there's such a high level of play at those places i was talking with a bunch of people on twitter about this yesterday the gap especially we were talking basketball but especially after you get past the blue bloods and the teams that are you know final four contenders or like especially if you get past the like hey these are teams that are going to go to the NCAA tournament. Once you get past those teams, the gap between a really good NAI program and a lower level Division One men's basketball program if is any. way smaller than you think. It's probably depth and a little bit of size because mm-hmm. you're not usually going to get the six nine, six ten, seven footers at NAI. But if you play a style that you don't need them, that's when you see these teams either play close or beat some of the Division One teams. The gap is way smaller than people realize, especially now with the COVID year that's kind of messed up recruiting classes a little bit. A lot of the better guys end up filtering down to smaller programs. And so you're in a place where these D2s... The are of the beast. Yeah, these D2s and NAIs are stacked with guys that probably could have played low division, like mm-hmm. low major Division One basketball. Right. And I know like everybody's dream is to go play for their, their school. Absolutely. Their state school. Like, especially, I found that out quickly once I moved to Nebraska, mm-hmm. how passionate people are about Nebraska and wanting to be in Nebraska at some point. But, you know, also there's that, you know, 
But that wake-up call of, yeah. hey, you may not be good enough to play at Nebraska 1, or it may not be worth your time say, to wait yeah. to try to find your chance at playing at Nebraska, unless you're like a, a super talented football or basketball player. Now, I had a quick story for you, because yeah. you mentioned like old-school recruiting, and I've asked my dad this before, because he swam at Eastern Illinois. He mm-hmm. was a, a four-year D1 swimmer there, and grew up in the state of Illinois, and I'm like, how do you, how do you like get found in, let's see, he was born in, he's going to hate that I said this, born in 63, <laughs> uh, which would make him in college in, what, the 80s? Yeah, the early 80s, early, early to mid-80s. Like, yeah. yeah, and so I go, how do you, like, get found at that point in time? Because internet wasn't a Especially thing. in swimming, right? where it's not, like, as prominent of a sport. But he, he actually, like, laid it out, and it's pretty simple. He's like, all my times were in the paper. Yeah. And you can't fake swim time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of like it's probably, running on a yeah, track. It's probably right? easier to recruit right. like, track and swim because than it is. Because you know if Robbie swims a 50-meter a freestyle in 15 yeah, seconds. Yeah, in a good time. You're like, oh, that's going to translate. Yeah, you're like, well, that's not, you're not lying about that, right? And if you are lying about that, I'll see that when you show up and I have my stopwatch out. <laughs> coming up next, we'll set up the show and let you know what's coming here on a Football Friday on Herd at Sports Radio. If they're playing 10, 12 snaps a game of real football, um, a lot of times that's what you're playing as a redshirt freshman or as a sophomore. So uh, if, if they're just kind of going in to, at the end of a game or they're going in like to, to be the two on kickoff and someone else could do that, then you know trying to rotate someone else in there so the team's healthy long term. But anybody that's having a significant impact, then we would probably continue to play them. Sounds familiar. What is it? This is the OG instrumental from Fortnite. Oh, there we go. Okay. And the new map, the old map, I should say. Like yeah. the, the update is tonight, or it was it was yesterday morning at like yesterday morning. It was this morning at 3 a.m. Yeah. Uh, it's going back to the old map. Okay. Dude. Did you get up to play? The servers are going to break down. <laughs> like, I probably won't get to play after Omaha hockey. Yeah. Because it's going to break. I'm going to go home and play. Yeah. You it's, gotta, it's the OG map. You got to play mid-afternoon while the kids are in school. <laughs> listen, listen to this music. Like, that doesn't get you hype. <laughs> uh, we are back on Earth Sports Radio here. I'm Robbie Lula. The gamer nerd is Andrew Rogers. I'm just kidding. Um, it is true. Yeah, it's, it's We're all nerds about something, right? Like, you wouldn't do this for a living unless you were a huge nerd about sports. It's like, well, everybody's a nerd about something. Nerd. <laughs> we are here on uh, AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. Uh, I want to set up the show for you real quick. Uh, special uh, special guest for you coming up at 745. Uh, we're going to have old Damon Benning on the show. Let's uh, do it. Be, I'm excited big to talk to Big game this week. Yeah, excited to talk to DB. He's got big game not only with Michigan State, He's also got, uh, obviously, big game with Westside, Bell West. I'm going to call it bigger. Bigger? I'm going to say bigger. Well, I know there's – I think DB would also call that a bigger Oh, game. yeah. Well, listen, there's uh, – I mean, they're in the playoffs, so obviously mm-hmm. that's a uh, – there's more at stake here than a regular season college football game, although um, getting to that sixth win would be a huge deal. But I know there's some – I know some things have been said on either, on some sides of that rivalry that uh, that DB is I'm sure feels some kind of way about. So we will talk recently. To, uh, well, I think it sounded like after after the West, uh, Bellevue West game last week, it sounded like Huffman kind of wanted another go at Westside. 
And we saw how that went last time. Hey, I don't want any go at West. I was going to say, I, you know how, I mean, and then uh, listen, you have to play them either anyway. So I understand like trying to get yourself hyped up and get your team hyped up about it. But you have to be insane if you want to go at Westside this year. <laughs> um, so we'll talk to DB about some Nebraska high school playoffs, a little bit of Nebraska, Michigan State as well at 745. Michael Rose Ivy, uh, former Husker. He is going to talk to us about Nebraska, Michigan State at 8. Uh, at 845, we're going to talk to Phil Rogers. He covers Major League Baseball for Forbes magazine. Recap it. Going to talk a little bit of World Series. Uh, 9 o'clock, our very own Mike Sauter from Herd at Sports will be with us over the stream. Not live today. He's got live from the hospital. Yeah, he's got some family responsibilities and stuff he's got to take care of this morning. So he's only joining us for his regular segment rather than the whole hour. But hopefully he'll be back next week. And then we'll wrap up the show, as always, with our guy, Matt so a ton of stuff to get to today, but something I want to make sure we get to before we start getting hot and heavy with the uh, with the lineup here is there's there was a meeting yesterday with Tony Petiti mm. and the Big Twelve A or Big Ten ADs the mm-hmm. twelve <laughs> I think twelve <laughs> of the Big Ten ADs um, up regarding the Michigan situation. There's a report that he's going to meet with Michigan this weekend because he's there, I believe, for the lacrosse something. Um, <laughs> he's just a lax bro. There's a, I think it's the Big Ten lacrosse semifinals or something or this weekend in Ann Arbor. And so I think he's, like, using that as a reason to be in Ann Arbor and talk to Michigan. The only reason. Um, well, he's like, oh, well, I'm here anyway, so now we're going to talk to Michigan. The There is a seemingly growing frustration among the other schools in the Big Ten uh, that something needs to be done about Michigan. And I think that's if – if there's any real consequences for Michigan here, I think it will be because of pressure from their other member institutions because they all seem super ticked off about it. And, you know – the, they should be. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying they shouldn't be. And as you know, that the NCAA is largely toothless and it's going to take forever for their investigation mm-hmm. anyway. And so this is this to me is the most interesting thing is this this back and forth between Petiti and the the Big Ten instit- other Big Ten institutions because I think that's where the real pressure is. Well, Ravi, I think Petiti lives or dies as commissioner with this decision. Okay. Do you remember Kevin Warren? I do remember Kevin Warren. And how hated he was for not handling the COVID scheduling properly? Sure, yeah. Well, if Tony Petiti doesn't start raining down punishment on Michigan for this sign-stealing scandal, I expect the Barbarians to be at the gate for this, too. Yeah. And, and let me be clear. I still don't think Kevin did anything wrong. Yeah. Nobody knew how to handle that situation. That's the main point, right? Is that Nobody knew. Totally unprecedented, and he's doing his best, right? And he was pretty much brand new at the time. Plus, he left the Big Ten in better position than when he got there by giving him that massive TV deal. And, and you wouldn't have contract or contract conference expansion if it weren't for that. And he landed UCLA and USC before he left. That was a huge one as well. He did great work in just three years' time as commissioner. Yeah, he really did. But we never forget the COVID thing, which, again, like, I agree with you. There was no right way to handle that because it was a totally unprecedented situation. Unless you want to call the commissioners from back in 1918 with the Spanish flu and have an idea of what. (laughs) Yeah, when they all had polio or whatever. Yeah, and you're dealing with, like, the bird masks and stuff. Like, that's, there was was no precedent for this. So to be mad at him about it is, I get it's frustrating, but I agree with you there. This is Petiti's first and most important chance 
to get the job right. He's got to take action if he expects to be respected in this role by all. Mm -hmm. And I mean schools and fans. Because, look, the schools were unhappy with that COVID situation with Kevin Warren. Mm -hmm. But the fans were like the ones that that were extremely Yeah, that's where the critical mass came, yeah, with with the The, fans. The the majority of that criticism came with the fans. Mm -hmm. So in a sign-stealing scandal – if the schools are more ticked off than the fans right now, it's a little bit worse because yeah. you're dealing with the schools more times than not. Look, Petiti acknowledged speaking with the NCAA, as you said, about the investigation. He refused to really give any details of that conversation. Mm-hmm. He told ADs he couldn't make the decision yet because uh, all of this is still based on a whim and he needs more facts. I don't know how much more factual evidence you need than video coverage of Connor Stallions <laughs> plus ticket uh, receipts. Venmo. Plus Venmo receipts. I don't know how. Plus him and. What, what else do you need? I mean, you open the briefcase the and you s- ask me a question <laughs> and I guarantee I can pull out the file yeah. where Connor Stallions went wrong. But yes. Tony Petiti did, he went up the staircase, right? He took that next step. He hints that there's some willingness to discover, Mm -hmm. right? But what it doesn't hint is follow through. All this really hints is that he's buying time. Mm -hmm. And that's okay right now. But unless you rain down punishment, like I said at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. people will kill him. They will tear him down. So here's the part that's really challenging for Tony Petiti right now is he has to weigh what the because he basically works for two people. He works for the schools of the conference, and he also kind of works for the television networks. So his big problem right now is he really needs Michigan to lose because then he can impose a punishment on them without sacrificing a marquee Big Ten championship game for his television partners without sacrificing a Big Ten team in the college football playoff for the, uh, for the conference mm-hmm. and for television partners. He really needs Penn State to beat Michigan on November 11th. So I don't know if he's just trying to buy himself another week to see if that happens. He really needs Ohio State to beat Michigan so that there's no chance of them getting into the college football playoff and no chance of them playing for the Big Ten championship. That's what he needs more than anything because that makes his decision and his life so much easier. But it's not projected that way right now. No, it's not. Michigan is projected to be there, which is why you have to take action early. Show the people that you're here for the people and not just for the status of the job. Yeah, no, I mean, he doesn't care about the people, though. He cares about keeping the television people happy. He cares about keeping the other schools happy. That seems like happy. a man of the people. I mean, think about it. Keeping and the- plus, you remember Alan Haller, the AD at Michigan State? So last year, let's not forget that in Ann, in Ann Arbor, where numerous players were suspended because of what happened in the tunnel, mm-hmm. happened immediately. Yeah. Immediately. So... Think about how hypocritical that is and was to him when he brought that up to Tony Petiti on that call. He's like, hey, this can't be true. And Well, two things can be true, right? That, that can be wrong and this can be wrong. But why was only one a punishment and one is still an afterthought? We got Damon Benning coming up next. <laughs>
You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Two eligible each way. Am at the back. He still can't get lined up. Fedoni motions. Heinrich gets the snap. Play axe. Flips it out the flat. Caught. Touchdown. Thomas Fedoni. Easy little catch in the corner of the end zone. Nebraska's on, on the board. 6-0 Big Red. So it's a 55-yard attempt. Wind at the back. Headed toward the south end zone. So Tristan's long is 47. He certainly has the leg strength. Snap down, kick sailing towards the uprights, and the kick go. is gone. He banged it in there. 55 yards out, and the Oscars push the lead to 24 0. Wrapping up hour number one here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me, and joining us now. Uh, very happy to have this guy on is our old friend, old DB. DB? What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you guys? Good. I, I, I just love DB, first off, in that clip of T.A. banging in that field goal. That was such, like, a proud coach moment. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, uh, it's just interesting. I was telling anybody that would listen, like, the last couple of weeks, you, you kind of got a chance to be around him. You guys watch a ton. And, you know, he got his mechanics back after he wasn't feeling very good. He was kind of overcompensating for an injury. And, I, and I always joke that he's a little OCD. So, you know, practicing proper mechanics, his confidence is through the roof. So I felt like his coming out party is still yet to happen. And he's, uh, he's definitely trending on the right side. DB, let's, uh, let's stick with that proud coach moment here. I know you guys have a huge matchup with Westside tonight, uh, Westside and Bellevue West. Um, how are you feeling going into the matchup with what at the start of the year were thought to be the two best teams in the state? I, you know, I'm excited. You know, you guys know me, man. I'm a, I'm a total empath, which means, um, you know, I feel, uh, I, I go by feel. I can smell BS. But you know, convert, <laughs> con, con, convert, conversely, though, like when I'm bad, I'm awful because I, I need to be surrounded with people that I think that can help control my emotions. Just because, um, you know, they can run rampant. And so there was no coach speak yesterday. Uh, you know, I got to talk last. Um, Westside's family's going through kind of an emotional time with, with, with the loss of a loved one. And and uh, so I spoke last yesterday to our defense, and I told them, I said, listen, all bets are off for tomorrow um, on, on how, I, how I'll feel, what our message is. Um, I'm, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that this is just another game because uh, it's not. You know, it'd be cool to go Nick Sirianni and say, hey, you know what, we get up for Dallas, we, the same as Washington, but, or, you know, what do I tell our fans if we land it? Listen, I get it, right? It, but it's the playoffs, and it's the quarterfinals, and it's not just another game. And, oh, by the way, it just so happens to be Bellevue West. So, um, no, I wouldn't say no love lost there. It's a friendly rivalry. People know I get along with Coach Huffman uh, really well. Uh, I saw him a couple weeks uh, ago down in Lincoln with his son when he was taking an, in the Nebraska football game as a fan. And so, um, you know, they wanted to play us. And, and they were looking forward to it. And I didn't feel like we got our respect the first time around. You, you know, we heard a lot of the injuries, excuses, and who was hurt and who wasn't. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it's just personal. And, 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 I, and I think our guys understand that. They're well aware of that. Uh, some guys get the benefit of the doubt when they don't have all their guys, and some guys don't get any credit because they do have their guys. So um, 
don't think that that's the storyline and, and we're not hiding behind it and, and we're going to embrace it and, uh, and know that it's just one more step to get to where we're trying to be to, to defend this title. DB, talent on both sides, but the game control that Westside showed the first time around kind of makes this matchup still seem lopsided. How do the boys avoid a slow start and underestimation of the opponent here? Well, I, so I, that's, a, that's a great question. And, you know, what we've done is we the, – the secret, the misnomer about Coach Huffman is that it's this aerial high-flying attack. But he does a really good job of self-scouting. They're about as even-handed as it gets. They're probably 50 and some change, 49 and some change run to pass. So for us, it's status quo. we got to stop the run, right? We, we know we're going to get inside zone. We're going to get a sprinkle of jet. Um, we're going to get a little outside zone. When they go empty, they want to run QB power. Um, and so we got to shut down the QB run game. They found a little bit with that uh, last, last time around when we went to some of our different packages. So, like, we'll stay fresh in terms of trying to stop the run. We've been good against it all year. Uh, you know, an off – we got a defensive line where it isn't real star-studded, right? I mean, not a ton of, of, of power five, group of five, any five offers. We just have some blue-collar dogs that go to work, and, and, and they take that kind of stuff personal. So we got to stop the run. And as you guys know, and, and I'm sure Bellevue West knows and Coach Huffman knows, we're always going to have something that we haven't shown before defensively for these guys. And we got a couple of things that we feel really excited about that our guys kind of rallied behind the install on Sunday and Monday. So we're going to, we're going to try to do what we do knowing full well that, um, you know, they've got, they've got some monsters, right? They, they've got, they've got DK and, and, and golf is running the ball well. And, you know, they, they, they've got their, they've got their, I don't know. I think they're the they're the triplets um, for for media's sake, but they've got the duo outside, and they got Goodwater and Whaley inside. So, we, I mean, we got to play football. We we won't be. There's no lack of there's no lack of dialed in. It's Bellevue West, and it's the quarterfinals. <laughs> and it's funny, you know. Everybody always talks about our defense against their offense. Now, our offense is pretty explosive. They're gonna have to figure out a way to stop us too. So, I mean, I I, I get it. I always joke tongue in cheek. Um, if you look at the rosters on paper, they're supposed to have some pretty good players, too. So let, let, let's line up and play it. Yeah, you mentioned your offense. You're only averaging 49.7 points per game <laughs> this year. So, I mean, I don't know if that's good or not. But, um, DB, you mentioned, you know, there's it seems to be this weird narrative that, like, Westside is just more talented than everyone else. And you mentioned kind of your D-line. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. You don't have a single D1 offer in your front seven on defense. Nope. And you don't have a single D1 offer on your offensive line. Not one. And somehow, though, the narrative gets spun that you guys have all the talent and Bellevue West is just, you know, they, oh, they've got a couple skill guys, but, but, Bell, but Westside is just so much more talented. I guess, does that bother you at all? I mean, at the end of the day, Bellevue sure. West is yes. at least yes. as talented as you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it drives me up the wall. It it, it, it it drives me up the wall because, you know, we don't – there's a ton of misnomers, right? We got we got four guys that, that are out of district. Two came with their coach. One came from Papio, and one was kicked out of school, and nobody wanted him. So, 
the narrative that this is like transfer high, it, 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 it's, it, it's laughable, but we like it because we know that this is about family. Mm -hmm. This is about a community of schools. It's not, we don't call it Westside Public Schools. We call it Westside Community Schools because it's for the community. When there's, when there's articles in the paper with the World Herald and Jalen Lloyd and Tristan Alvano, and he says, hey, you know what? It felt a lot like Westside. It's a family here. See, that's what you get when you get here. So we rally around that. You could make the case our two most impactful defenders, R.J. Eckhart, Ryan, and, and Bo Ryan, uh, R.J.'s probably going to go to Hastings. Bo's not sure if he's playing football. But when you look at the narrative, it's, well, we don't have, we have, we, our four star is the least talked about of the bunch of Christian Jones. Like, people, like so, it, you know, and all we hear about Christian is, well, he hasn't been physical and he's not as splashy like, you know, he tests in camp. So we don't have any problems with motivation and we embrace it, right? It's not one of these deals like we don't run from it. We talk about it openly because we know in our heart of hearts, we got a couple of mantras, right? I got, we got your six, right? I got your back. Tonight we will have Coach Lamanchi's back. Love always wins. That means it's not for the guys across from you. It's you playing for the guys behind you. And A4, one for A. All for one, one for all. We, we got no problems getting motivated because what we do is what we live. It's not just words. It's a lifestyle. DB, let's switch to Nebraska real quick here. In the last couple of minutes, we got you. Um, I, we haven't talked to you really since Nebraska's been playing this this stretch of good football. They've won five of their last mm -hmm. six. They are one win away from bowl eligibility. They're kind of in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West. What have you seen that's changed from the rough start to the season where they go 0-2, or has anything changed and the process has just played out the way it's supposed to? So you guys both remember, I felt like Nebraska's biggest problem going into this season was emotional and not physical. Mm -hmm. and, and I knew the roster. You guys know. I mean, the roster wasn't superstar studded, and I still wondered how they were going to get chunk plays in the passing game. But I felt like if they had a chance to, 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 to buy in to kind of the, the, the not just the next man up mentality, but to be selfless, then they had a chance. And you've seen that. See, they, they've embraced winning ugly. They care nothing about style it is all substance and they openly root for one another even though it could be at a particular player's expense right bear has to bear has to cheer for Reimer and Omar Brown has to cheer for Phelan Stanford and 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 you know Prohaska has to cheer for Turner Corcoran and on it Jeff Sims has to cheer for Harburg they've embraced that it's about them and not about anything else just control what you can control, and that's what they've done really, really well. Man, DB, 40 seconds here, uh, sticking with Nebraska. You see the game so differently, and I found that out quickly when working together. What's the one thing or stat that's grabbed your attention most that media guides wouldn't include about this Husker team? Oh, I tell you what, it's, it's the lack of missed tackles. When the first mm. guy has an opportunity to get a guy to the ground, they typically get them to the ground. It's an underrated, underappreciated stat. But with all those tackles for losses, when guys don't break tackles, you give yourself a chance to play good football. 
DB, we will get you on for a long segment next Please. time because that was obviously not enough time with our guy. But we appreciate you joining us, man. It was good to hear from you. Hey, any anytime, man. But stay close to Bill. He's a good man. You guys do good work. Hey, thank you, sir. You, DB. That's our good friend, old DB, David Benning. We appreciate him joining us. We've got Michael Rose Ivy up next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula with Andrew Rogers. Hey, that's me. That is you. We are brought to you by our friends at Rockbrook Camera. Rockbrook Camera has you covered no matter what kind of photographer you are, just a casual one or a professional one. They can help you become the best version of that uh, with their latest technology, including things like mirrorless cameras. They can also give you unlimited support after the sale with monthly classes to help you learn about your new equipment. You can trade in your old gear to help you upgrade, or you can check out their extensive rental department. Make sure you go to rockbrookcamera.com or check them out in Omaha, 168th and West Center, or in Lincoln, 70th and Pioneer. That's Rockbrook Camera. Joining us now is our friend, former Husker Michael Rose Ivy. Michael, how you doing this morning? Doing good, doing good. Still playing football, so. That's, a, that's always a good thing around this time of the year. I was going to say in November, that's all you can ask for, right, is playing football that matters? Exactly. And that's where Nebraska's found themselves for the first time in quite a long time with uh, winning five of their last six, their first three-game winning streak since 2016. What have you seen just in the last month and a half from Nebraska that has impressed you the most, uh, specifically in regards to how the coaching staff has handled this season? I think what started, obviously, you know, um, the kind of rough start, you know, a little slower start than probably we all would have liked. Um, I think the response from the team, from the coaches, from the program, uh, sticking with the, the main message has been, you know, Rose's message is you go the process. And like we saw, I heard that sound like this play, and he said this week, you know, we coached it better. And I think that's something he really lives by, he really believes in. That's really a big part of their philosophy. And I think, Everyone is stuck to that type of uh, mentality. So when you get people aligned and doing everything together, um, you know it makes it makes going through adverse and getting through adverse situations a lot easier. Um, there's still challenges that they still gotta, you know, still have to fix and still have, um, you know, a part of their team identity. I'm sure that he wants to get rid of, but they're on the right path, and I think uh, the schedule leads them to be able to finish finish out strong. And um, you know, that, again, that starts with you know this week in, in, in uh, Michigan State. MRI bowl game eligibility on the line for the first time in a long time. As a former player, 
Are you thinking about that at all going into this matchup if you are a player on this team? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I know pre, pre-NIL, I know I'm sure I was. You know, I don't know with the NIL, their pocket may be a little bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know that that bowl stipend was a little bit different than uh, what we were getting uh, month to month. So, uh, we definitely, <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> Uh, you know, get a, get a nice little trip. You know, it's that that wind tunnel on uh, what is that West West Stadium? Man, that you want to get away from there as, as much as you can. So you know, getting out of there and going to going somewhere, hopefully on the coast and, and close to a beach or somewhere would definitely be nice. But yeah, that's definitely something we thought about. That was something we wanted to do. I, that takes me back to the year you know with uh, Riley when we were I think five and seven going into uh, you know possibly getting a bowl and went out to UCLA and that was. That was one of the best trips. I think that trip propelled kind of uh, and the, the prep and during that bowl prep kind of propelled us to, you know, start off at 7-0 and the year after um, by just getting that trip. So there's a lot of momentum you can get out of. You know, those extra practices are always needed. Um, you know, if you got some freshmen that haven't played and you can use those four games um, and still have them red shirts, there's an opportunity to get those guys involved on special teams and things like that. So I know it's something that Coach Rule definitely wants in more than one way. MRI, I know you, I mean, you just mentioned uh, how that going from a bowl game a year prior can carry over with a ton of momentum to go 7-0 and the next season. The 2024 schedule was just released yesterday for Nebraska, and if you really look at the top half, 7-0 and seems highly likely. And then, you know, you could be 7-0 and playing your best football against the toughest opponents who are backloaded on that schedule. So I- I'm right. curious, with, with all that experience, do you think uh, what happened to you guys when you played could also be the case if Nebraska keeps winning like they are this year? And, and do you like the idea of having your toughest opponents uh, backloaded on a schedule like the, it is next year? For sure. I mean, I think there's advantages to it. Um, you know, the season has has ups and downs, you know, obviously throughout each week you're not going to look at opponents, so, you know, guarantee a win here and there. But like you said, it does look favorable. I think as many reps as they can get, um, there's going to be quite a few guys, especially that's playing right now, that's going to be coming back next year and going to be contributing to the team. Um, so I believe, I mean, that's that's definitely something that is doable. It's definitely something I think that's uh, within reach. You know, obviously that's a, that's a thought tweeted out. You know, the last five weeks are going to be tough, but, um, you know, I think – a year into Coach Rule's program and, um, you know, the second off season and all those things. I, I think there'll be a lot of improvement. Obviously, you got to win on the recruiting trail, things like that. But, um, you know, the development's going to be there. So, I, I think it'll be intriguing to see, and I think it's, like I said, something they definitely can do. Michael, I, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned that you are you were aware of, like, hey, like this gets us to bowl eligibility or, hey, this game matters for a different reason. As a As a coach now, how do you kind of balance – making sure the guys don't get too overly emotional or overly hyped up for a certain game or put too much pressure on themselves, yet still acknowledging, like, hey, maybe this isn't just another game. How do you strike that balance? I think that balance is, you know, that for that first strike is really in the offseason and kind of you look at Coach Rue, like I talked about earlier, you know, that process mentality. You know, that, you know, Nick Saban talks a lot about that, you know what I mean, and then, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, great coaches kind of have their same philosophy of process mentality. One game at a time, one moment at a time, living the moment, all those things you've heard Coach Rule say. Um, and, and I think when, when you have that mentality, you know, that's something that's always a part of your program, everything you do. Um, you talk about that at, at, at the food line, right? You talk about that, you're process oriented. 
playing ping pong in the in the game room. <laughs> it's kind of always something that's kind of mentioned, even in a joking way with the players. Um, so I think that 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 up and down motion is kind of taken care of with that philosophy. Now, obviously, you know the the human part of it, the human element is, hey, I played three great games in a row. I've made plays. I feel myself a little bit, you know. The young lady in the front row that wasn't noticing me, and uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, you know, look back and agree with my answers or whatever the case is. So, you know, that human element is always a part of it. But I, I think uh, when you have that mentality, we have that focus. Everyone's aligned in that mission and that, in, in the way you go about accomplishing that mission. I think that's where you kind of decrease those those roller coaster rides. You know what I mean? And, and playing more consistent football and just being consistent, you know, throughout everything we do. Michael, defensively, how impressed were you last week and even in weeks before with this team's ability to tackle in the open field? And do you think that ability, or at least their ability to do that, is the best skill this defense has? I would, yeah, I, I would agree. I, this is, man, I, I played, I was playing with Nebraska, but uh, this is definitely, I told my dad, we were watching the game, this is one of the better tackling all around defenses um, that, that, that I've seen. Or, or play with in a while, you know. Um, I was just looking at the numbers from last week. They had nine guys registered, you know, a part of or had a tackle for a loss. You know, and that, that's that's just the swarm of their defense. I think they had at least 12 guys that had at least two or three tackles. Um, you know, the amount of people they're able to play within that scheme and the versatility um, and the different positions Coach White puts those guys in, but they're still able to make plays. That just goes to show you, obviously, there's some skill there, you know, within those guys. But like Coach Rule talked about with the fumble drills, I'm sure the defensive staff has, you know, put together a pretty elaborate plan on how to how to teach and coach tackling and leverage. That's one of the hardest things I think um, for people to understand, especially in a a me 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 world, right? You're not thinking that I'm one of eleven. You're thinking I'm the only guy in the field to make the tackle. I gotta you know cut across the guy's face or um, you know lose my leverage because you know, I'm not aware that there's someone else there to help me. Um, so I think that's just a testament of obviously the skill of the players, but also uh, the coaching staff, you know what I mean? Putting those guys in the best position and, and coaching those tackling positions. You know, you can't just do, hey, line up and run at a 45-degree tackle. Hey, let's work on, you know, the middle field safety, getting to the middle of the field now, breaking down out of, out of your tackle or out of your break and making a tackle on a, on a post, on a slant, you know, and, and putting those guys in those type of situations. That's what the great coaches do. So I think they're doing a good job of that and showing. We're talking with Michael Rose, Ivy, former Husker. Uh, MRI, before we switch our focus to Michigan State here, uh, I wanted to just ask how impressed you've been with Prince Will as a true freshman coming on the way he has and being not only kind of a disruptive guy on that defense side of the ball, but seemingly having a really good grasp, if you li- listen to Tony White, just a really good grasp on the overall defensive concepts. Yeah, man, it's always impressive when a freshman can come in and, and do that. Obviously, you know, you know, where was he listed as a guy that probably make an impact in the off season? You know, not many guys would have probably guessed. You know, he would be able to make the impact he's had. But you know, just to be able to do that, you know, I mean, the respect I bet he has of those older guys um, being able to come in. You always have that one freshman. You know, what I mean, that's like yeah, he's ahead of head of the head of the curve. It was kind of like Malik Collins for us mm. um, when we came when he came in. Like he was. He was probably the most focused, driven. Like, hey, I'm going to be here for. He said, I'm going to be here for three years. I'm getting out, take care of my family, and get into the league and see where he's at. And it's kind of, kind of that same mentality you kind of see with him. You know, he's hungry. He wants to play. He wants to learn. And he's a guy I'm pretty sure is probably always in the coach's office. You know, trying to get better, trying to get that extra rep. Um, and it's showing. You know, what I mean, and I think that's just the development that, uh, again, is a testament to uh, you know the coaches 
um, and, and how they're developing everyone. Everyone is a part of that development, not just the 11 guys that are starting, but everyone's a part of it. Hey, when it's your time to step up and make a play or play within your role, be ready to go. So, yeah, I think he's doing a great job. He's ready to see you doing it. MRI, is there anyone on this team you'd like to see more involved in the offense this week, whether it's a young player getting his reps or someone that just hasn't gotten the ball much this year? Um, not really. I thought the way they spread the ball for the most part last game was, was fairly decent. I mean, obviously Harbaugh didn't throw the ball much. Um, but obviously, I mean, the big play, the big playability of Felicia, I mean, that's, that's not something that pops out you would like to see more of. Um, you know, Malachi Coleman, again, the, the big body target, um, you know, I, was, I mean, from Kansas City, Jaden Doss, you know, you like to see him get get in the action a little bit more. Uh, but I think I think time the time for those guys will be in the future really to get that chemistry and get that, um, that feel of what they really need to do in offense to be those breakaway guys. But, you know, like I said, I, I think for what they're doing right now, you know, Emma Johnson had a great, you know, great performance in, in the role he had in the limited carries, you know, um, and still making some, you know, some big time care, uh, runs for him. So, um, not not really anybody. I would say I want more breaking out. I think it's more balance. Obviously, it's at the turnovers. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's really not even about the players, right? As far as um, you know, making those big plays or getting getting a bigger bigger role or anything like that. Just taking care of the football. And I think you get more opportunity to get those guys the ball and, and run the ball a little bit better and uh, be able to find some openings and play action pass situations. Michael, uh, is you know, I know the coaching staff has talked about this week, well, maybe this Michigan State team is a lot better than we think they are, you know, trying to say, hey, maybe they're closer to 6-2 and two than 2-6. Two and six. I'm not necessarily buying that part of it, although maybe they should have won a, a game or two more than they have. Uh, have you seen anything from this Michigan State team that you think could give Nebraska problems tomorrow, or is it more those things you talked about of making sure – they play clean football, and if Nebraska does that, then they'll be okay. I think playing clean football definitely is a big part of it. But you know, just looking at Michigan State from a glance, uh, you know they have they have the sixth ranked uh, strength of schedule um, in the country. Um, that like Coach Rue, I think pointed out, you know, in Rutgers, Minnesota, Iowa, you know, they were some they were some pretty good positions to be able to win those ball games. At least in the third third quarter, still being in those ball games, um, they've been in some some tough matchups. Um, you know, obviously they've been blown out a couple of times, but they've been in some pretty close games. Some teams that, you know, obviously Minnesota, uh, you know, Nebraska lost too. You know, they were playing them tough for a little bit. You know, haven't played Iowa yet, but, um, and also Rutgers. So I think um, there is there is some some spark that could be there for these guys. Obviously, they don't have anything to lose. You know, they obviously understand the turmoil they've had kind of off the field with with Coach Tucker and kind of how that situation played out. You know, they've lost quite a few transfers. They have some. Quite a bit of injuries, uh, especially some key spots. Um, but I, again, I think it's just Coach Rule trying to keep his guys on the edge. Um, but but I do think we're going on the road. It's senior it's senior day for those guys. Um, it hasn't been the greatest, you know, maybe maybe experience they probably thought they would with all kind of the hype that came with Coach Tucker going to Michigan State. Um, so I, I, I can see I can see a you know an injured dog you know in the corner type of mentality from Michigan State that I think Coach Rule is kind of preparing his guys for. Um, you know, I, I think as far as what they have, a quarterback is a pretty young freshman that, uh, you know, I think it's uh, has some good good upside. Uh, and, and a lot of people are thinking he's not even going to stay there after this year due to all the all the stuff that, that's going on. Kid from California, uh, I think Hauser is his name, but um, I, I think I think it's going to be a closer game than maybe what a lot of Nebraska fans would like. 
um, just being on the road and it being a senior night. And like I said, them kind of having their back against the wall, nothing, nothing to lose. So look for special teams to be a big part of that. They struggled really bad there. Um, and actually, I just looking up that their special teams coordinator is uh, Ross Hales, who's my linebacker coach. That's <laughs> right. Nebraska. That's right. Small world. That's a small, yeah, small world. Seeing that, so um, see if Nebraska take advantage of their special teams and you know the get get something going on you know the punt punt return unit. So I think it'll be a pretty decently closed game. I think Nebraska still can win by you know eight ten, but I think it's going to be a closed game. It's going to be a, it's going to be one of those Big Ten type of battles. All right, MRI, we'll get you out of here on this. You kind of gave a little tease of a prediction. Let's get one from you. You think Nebraska wins, loses? Give, give us a ballpark here. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a 20, 24-16 type of game. You know, like I said, I, I think they're running back, like Coach Rule was talking about uh, earlier this week. I think they're running back's pretty, pretty, pretty decent. I, I think um, the O-line, like I said, has some injuries. They, they struggle, but they have some very unique run, run schemes, so I'll be interested to see how – you know, Nebraska fits that up with the tight end movement and the guard movement. But, like I said, I think 24-16 Nebraska wins. Um, you know, hopefully to play a clean football game. Special teams, uh, you know, continues to be a big, bigger impact than just flipping the field position. Uh, and, again, they get, they get another win and, and keep this thing rolling. Michael Rose, Ivy, former Husker. MRI, we appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you again next week. No problem at all. Go Big Red. Hey, thanks, man. That's right. Go Big Red. We'd love to hear from our guy, MRI. Uh, in that situation, um, you know, you mentioned to Michael that 2024 schedule mm-hmm. that came out yesterday. And if you hadn't seen it yet, I would encourage you to go look it up. I'm, I mean, we'll go through it a little bit here. But, man, you mentioned the opportunity next year for Nebraska. It's a they big one. start four straight home games, UTEP, Colorado, Northern Iowa, Illinois. Then they go on the road at Purdue. Again, probably one of the easier home games, not just because of opponent, but Purdue's not a particularly mm-hmm. hostile environment. Easier road game, right. you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty yep. easier road game. It's not a particularly hostile environment. It's, you know, you would think in year two under Ryan Walters they'll be better, but probably not all the way up going yet. Um, then they have Rutgers at home, which low-key could be pretty challenging. That Rutgers Based is, on how they're playing this year. Yeah, and Shiano knows what he's doing. Like, mm-hmm. however you feel about he's that guy, coach. he's a good football coach. Um, but that's a winnable game. That's not a mm-hmm. juggernaut team. And then you're at Indiana. Again, probably one of the other easier road games mm-hmm. you can have in conference. It's the first seven games. Those are your first seven games. Only two on the road that are very manageable road games. The rest are at home and not a juggernaut to be found in the first seven games of the season. Like six and one, seven and zero oh is very much on the table. It's reasonable, y- yeah. And maybe I, you know, I don't, I'm not at a point where with Nebraska I can expect that. I mean, depending on how the rest of the year finishes out, maybe because if Nebraska either wins out or goes eight and four and only went, loses one on the way mm-hmm. out, like maybe I will feel different and be like, yeah, maybe they should go seven and zero oh to start, but. There's an opportunity on the table for them before. And, and listen, the last five weeks is a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. It goes at Ohio State, UCLA, by at USC, Wisconsin, at Iowa. That's going to be really, really interesting. Now, the Iowa one does give me a second of pause because I'm still not convinced Kirk Ferentz is going to be here next year. See, he said uh, yesterday or the day before that he, he sees planned himself on it. coaching, but it's not up to him if he sees himself coaching. Well, and he also kind of said it in that way of – 
you know, my plan is to, and you know how a lot of coaches, when they're trying to leave themselves some wiggle room and leave themselves an out, Mm -hmm. kind of phrase things in a certain way. Sure. He did phrase it in that way. I'm not convinced that that was as definitive of a statement of him returning as some people thought it was. Um, But either way, you've got seven games that are very winnable. Then you've got a five-game stretch that's really challenging, but I think you'll find out who you are as a football team. My, I, I look at it this way, okay? UCLA and Wisconsin are, are at home. You've got to win the home games. Mm-hmm. And then if you win one more, that's very reasonably, plausibly, possibly – Are you talking about 10 wins? A 10-win season. <laughs> I am talking about 10 I don't know wins. if 10 wins is, is there yet, but I will say this, and, and MRI alluded to it. The carryover effect that this season Mm -hmm. will have to next season will be huge because I talked about that last season into this season. When Nebraska beat Iowa to close the year, that was a huge confidence-building win for this program, Mm -hmm. not just for the team, for the program, because it reminded these guys that, hey, we can still beat the best of the best on our schedule. And Iowa was a a decent team last year. Like, let's let's not – Let's not think just because they had a bad offense that they weren't still a really good defense and had, and had a good special teams unit last year. Like, that's what they had. Like, mm-hmm. this year I think they're more down than they are from last year. So having and they're that, still 6-2. and two. Right. I mean, and yeah. So having that confidence-building win coming into the season with a new coaching staff and now finding ways to win this year when it isn't the prettiest, you've won five of your last six, they're slowly gaining momentum up into – next season up into the new Big Ten Mm -hmm. with the big juggernauts from the Pac-12 invading and joining to see what the Big Ten can ultimately produce for years and years to come. But it's it's that step stool, right? You go up one stair. Now you go up another stair. Now you go up another stair. You're going to also find that that ripple effect is going to pay dividends in recruiting. Oh, absolutely. When you see a team – overcome adversity like they did last year when they went through a coaching change when they uh, won that game against Iowa to close it off and then this year how not only did they come together mm-hmm. but form a fa- like they they built a foundation faster than I think people expected them to absolutely and now they're in position to compete for a bowl game maybe the big 10 and now what you get out of that is, oh, well, one of the best players in the state recently committed just a week ago. You have a ton of other in-state guys that are going to the school now. You have the, the number one tight end prospect or, or close to it in, in Carter Nelson that said, no, I'm going to stay home instead mm-hmm. of going to the big school. You have a ton of these guys that are like, no, I want to play for Nebraska. Why? Well, it's not just because they – they buy into Coach Rule's vision. No, they see the program winning. They see the program thriving and succeeding. And then they see a schedule like this, and they're like, I can play UCLA, Ohio State, and USC in the same season? I want to do that. In four weeks. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And so you're not just going to get that from in-state kids who grew up loving this program you're going to get that all over the place Mm -hmm. you're going to get that down in texas where they have great relationships you're going to get that up in the northeast ravi you may get a quarterback out of the portal Mm -hmm. that or or you may flip a, a recruitment of a quarterback because of where nebraska finishes this year yeah 
I'm not saying they get Lincoln Kleinholz or Kleinholz. I can't remember his last name. Uh, who's who's committed to Ohio State? I'm not saying Dylan Mariola is going to decommit from Georgia to right. come to Nebraska. But what I am saying is there is high potential to get somebody to do that mm-hmm. because they see an opening at Nebraska of hey. I don't think they're fully bought in to their quarterback. Now, I'm not also pushing out Harburg either just yet to pump the brakes, people. I'm just hypothetically speaking here. You're going to find out, though, that you're going to get top-tier recruits coming into this program that want to play here under Coach Rule because of the early success they're seeing. Well, last thing here on the 2024 schedule, that November 16th game at USC. Early hot take here. No Caleb Williams. And Nebraska is the style of team, at least right now, that has given USC problems. Giving them fits. That, to me, is a game I look at and go, they might be able to steal that one. Doesn't USC, though, have a five-star in the wing? There's always a five-star in the wing. You can't tell me (laughs) Caleb Williams is the second coming of Patrick Mahomes and tell me he's easily replaceable. Like, it can't be both. (laughs) Coming up next, we've got a little bit more. I want to talk about our keys to the game for Nebraska this week here on Herd at Sports Radio. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, to, we 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 love. I love going on the road. Um, I get to sleep. I sleep on the plane. I usually try to get to the hotel and sleep. Uh, unless Keith has media for me. And uh, yeah, you know, I love being in the hotel. I love um, being with the guys. You know, coaches. I like going to the movie with. You know, we do that at home, obviously too. But um, and I love walking into another team stadium, especially a place like Michigan State. You know, a place that I respect. Um, you know, I, I uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch these guys go play, and uh, um, it should be uh, like I said. I, I expect this to be a great football game uh, with two physical, blue collar, tough teams, and um, um, I, lo- I love playing at 11 a.m. So, uh, you know, I like to wake up and play. So I'm, I'm really excited to see the guys and see what they can do. We're halfway through the show here on a Friday here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula with Andrew Rogers. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, as well as Twitter, YouTube, all the places on the internet, at least all the safer workplaces on the internet. <laughs> you, can, you can get a hold of us on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline, 888-638-4876, or you can send us an email, andrew at herdat.com or ravi at herdatsports.com. Uh, I want to tell you about our friends over at Dyer Law. If you've been hurt in a personal injury accident, you can count on the Dyer Law team to provide you with a helping hand when you need it. No matter what you're dealing with, call the Dyer Law team at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with trusted professionals about your personal injury claim. That's D-Y-E-R dot law. Uh, So I wanted to get into a couple things here. Uh, First and foremost, Wanted to get to our keys to this Michigan State game. We've yeah, got let's do it. a pretty packed schedule the rest of the way, so I wanted to make sure we got to that because I do think, like MRI said, this is more about what Nebraska does than it is about what Michigan State does for me. No problem at all. Go be great. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so for me, one of my biggest keys, and I said this kind of tongue-in-cheek, to Brunts yesterday. Was that when we talked to Brunts? Whenever yep. we talked to Brunts. Um, that I, as long as Nebraska doesn't go worse than minus two in turnovers, then I think they win this game. And ideally, obviously, like if they go, if they're even in turnovers, that's for sure a W. Like, I, I'm, I have no question about that. If they can, I think minus two is the highest or the worst they can get 
without uh, and still have a chance to win. If they're minus three or worse, I just I just don't see a path forward. But so for me, it's just managing that turnover. I, I'm not even going to say win the turn- turnover battle because I, I don't I don't know that they're going to and they haven't needed to. But manage the turnover battle so that, you know, maybe don't put your defense in the red zone automatically when you turn the ball over. You know, maybe don't have it in really critical situations where you're taking points off the board for yourself. Um, just manage the turnover battle because at this point, I assume there's just going to be turnovers. That seems to be the nature of the team at this point. And so, what I mean, you that vibe. Well, I mean, we're like, we're two thirds of the way into the season. And it's like, well, I think this is like, I don't think this is getting cleaned up this year. Although I think it can get corrected. It can get better. I think they're going to improve it. I don't think you're going to go from three and four turnovers a game to zero but if you're averaging, in a week. But if you're averaging a C in school, it could be a B by the end of the year. Sure, yeah. I think, you can, I think you can improve from three or four to one or two turnovers a game. And that honestly probably gets you to even or a little bit better uh, on a game-by-game basis. But just manage the turnover situation so that, A, your defense is not in the most compromised position possible and B, that you keep that margin within reason. I mean, if you can be like a minus one, I'm going to feel pretty good about this team, which is a crazy thing to say. Uh, But that's where my first key is. And I'm with you. I share that one as well. Protecting the football, and I'm actually going to say win the turnover margin, and I'm going to keep saying that until they win the turnover margin. Uh, For this case, too, Michigan State presents some problems in the takeaway area of this game. I mean, look at what they've done the last few games. They had three takeaways against Minnesota. They had three against Rutgers and at least one in every game this year. So, you know, based on the path that Nebraska has been taking and the path that Michigan State's defense has been taking, one or two turnovers is probably likely in this game. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I'm with you. Like, try to rest it about even. Uh, but the good news for Nebraska is their defense can recover from a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And, and not defensive mistakes, that is, offensive mistakes. Yeah. So, um, yes, your margin for error is greater because of that. Um, you know that you have that safety net behind you, but that is a major key to this game, protecting the football, because not only does that guarantee strides in um, – like strides offensively Mm -hmm. in regards to game management, uh, but also it presents a good opportunity for this team to compile wins down the stretch against opponents that, as I said this to, I think it was Brunts yesterday, that may be favored in games. You may not be the favorite anymore. Yeah. Down the stretch of this season, it's either going to be a pick or you're probably going to be the underdog. So yeah. think about that and also think about how important it is to be perfect because you are looked at as the one that isn't supposed to win this game. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Um, moving on to my second one here, I think I, I really would like to see them lean on Emmett Johnson a little bit mm. more. Um, I thought he's played well. His, his numbers really haven't been skewed by a huge run the way like a Josh Fleeks has or even some of Heinrich Harburg's numbers are, are skewed a little because mm-hmm. of some of the huge chunk plays he had early running the football. I think Emmett Johnson's been pretty consistent. He did have the one fumble against Illinois, but only having one fumble on this Nebraska offense makes it seem like you're uh, Fort Knox. So 
I think they need to get Emmett Johnson the ball a little bit more consistently and maybe a little bit earlier as opposed to relying on Harburg in the run game quite as much. I still think you're going to end up with 12 to 15 Harburg design runs a game. But I would like to see Emmett Johnson start creeping closer to that 20 number, that 15 to 20 number, uh, because I think it'll give him a little bit more consistency on the offensive side of the ball. I still think their scoring plays are largely going to be off of those chunk plays we've kind of seen, whether in the running or the passing game. But we're talking about putting the defense in good positions. Being able to sustain some drives, even if they don't end up in points, is still valuable to giving your defense some time. So I... To me, my second key is you got to get Emmett Johnson a little bit more involved and a little earlier. And I'll go to the other side of the ball. Stopping the run is a key to this game and a win for Nebraska. Now, this is more of a continuation key because Nebraska is top five in rushing defense this year. Mm-hmm. So it's not as it's not more of a, hey, this is a problem. And if they finally solve this problem, they'll improve. No, this is more of a, hey, Michigan State, is going to rely on their run game. Mm-hmm. So stopping the run is going to be crucial to just winning this game. They average 108 yards on the ground this year. They don't know who their quarterback is going to be. And it even may be two or three yeah, guys you might see multiple getting guys. reps, yeah. right? But we know that Michigan State has a running back that's pretty good at football. He was somebody that was desired out of the transfer portal. His name is Nathan Carter, not President Carter, President Carter, (laughs) Robbie, Nathan Carter. And who knows Nathan Carter better than anybody else? EJ Barthel, the former running backs coach at UConn and now the current running backs coach at Nebraska. You know all week Nebraska has been prepping and in the understanding that the Spartans will run the ball a lot this week. Mm-hmm. Because in order to keep this game close, they're going to have to, to have a lot of time of possession. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only way to keep this game from getting out of hand for Michigan State. So stopping the run is another big key for this Husker team. All right, my third key. Last one before we uh, take a break here and switch gears a little bit. I think Nebraska needs to play more Creed. <laughs> We've got the uh, Texas Rangers win the World Series, powered by Creed. They're having a little resurgence. They're going on tour next summer. I'm going to try and drag all of my Hurt Out Sports teammates to a Creed concert. Creed and Three Doors Down. It'll be hard to drag me to a concert, (laughs) even if I like the artist or band. We uh, no, I you know I think they need to they need to channel their inner their inner late '90s, early 2000s kid. I need I need them play a little bit more Creed. We've We've already seen uh, the uh, rousing pregame speeches by Coach Rule, the halftime speeches. Nothing will get you fired up more like than a little bit higher by Creed. That's, that's key number three. Uh, last key for me, score the first touchdown. I like that, yeah. In all of get Nebraska's wins, yep. they were the team to score the first touchdown. The only exception to that first touchdown statistic was against Minnesota, and it was the first game of the year, and that's why I throw them a bone Mm -hmm. because it's a game we all know Nebraska should not have lost. Yeah, and if they played it now, that they would win. If you you score the first touchdown, you're going to to go through this game high and mighty. Well, (laughs) touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Thanks, B. It does. Uh, Speaking of Creed and the Texas Rangers, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. And get to Phil Rogers. He covers Major League Baseball. Recap uh, the season. For right. Forbes. Recap the season. Recap the World Series. Texas Rangers win their first ever title. That leaves the Minnesota Vikings as the last uh, team in the, uh, or the, the oldest team mm-hmm. in any of the four major sports to not have a title. Fun so. fact. 
shout out for to, your next trivia night. Yeah, shout out to our guys uh, at Tusker 24/7 that are Twins fans or uh, that are Vikings fans, Twins fans too. Uh, but we'll talk Major League Baseball. Phil Rogers coming up next. Here it comes in there, and that does it. History in the desert. The Texas Rangers, for the first time ever, are World Series champs. And the celebration begins third base side of the mound. The dog pile as they jump up and down out of the dugout, out from the bullpen in right field. The Rangers celebrate. The Texas Rangers are World Series champs. Wrapping up hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula with Andrew Rogers. We are brought to you by Digman's Collision Center. They have four great Omaha area locations, family owned and operated for over 25 years and first place Best of Omaha for 18 years running because they can work on all makes and models, anything from Fords to Teslas because they invest in the latest technology. That's not the only thing they invest in though. They also invest in the community giving back with every car repaired. Go to dingmans.com for more information on both their services and their give back program. Joining us now on that War Horse Sportsbook hotline is Phil Rogers. He covers Major League's base, Major League Baseball for Forbes. Phil, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How about you guys? We are doing well. We appreciate you joining us just as the uh, season wrapped up a couple days ago with the Rangers as World Series champs. If I had told you when Texas was going through their late season swoon that they were going to end up as the World Series champions, what would you have said? I would not have been that surprised, okay. to say the truth. Um, you know, I, I, I just think the postseason has been for a long time now just uh, its own little tournament, and I think <laughs> we've seen a lot of examples of teams that went in it limping, that uh, won a couple games early and things turned around for them. So, you know, I, I, I just kind of uh, don't buy into – you know, strong favorites, you know, it seems like very, not very often do the best teams in the regular season wind up being the best teams in October. Phil, a lot of teams can't pull off buying in the off season and the trade deadline and immediately turn that into a World Series. Plus, the Rangers did it without arguably their biggest name on the mound and, and uh, Jacob deGrom. So were you surprised at all that the experiment worked on its first try in Texas? Well, I mean, you know, if you go back a couple of years and, you know, this is a team that lost 100 games, it's an awfully quick turnaround. I, I think it kind of validated a little bit one of my uh, long-held theories, which is that most baseball managers don't matter. There are only about 10 managers in a year that matter, and that's the five worst managers and the five best managers. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I think from – the time that Texas hired Bruce Bochy, you know, I think that changed pretty much as much as the the free agent year where, the, where they added Seeger and uh, Simeon. You know, I think hiring Bochy, getting him to come out of retirement and buy into what they were doing there, I think that, that was huge validation. And, you know, I, I got a kick out of watching him in October – 
And, you know, you could – there are a lot of really good managers, and I think Arizona has one and Tori Lovello too. Um, but, you know, when, when you're looking at how expressionless Bochy is in the dugout, how nothing that goes on seems to really ruffle him positive or negative, you know, and, and I, I just think that's so much what you want out of the, the manager is just such a – steadying, calming sort of presence. And uh, I give Bochi a ton of credit for what just happened. Phil, I, I'm curious, you know, the, the bullpen of the Rangers was considered a weak point through most of the year. It obviously came through the way it needed to in the postseason. Do you think that's an area they try and address more than anywhere else uh, this offseason? Uh yeah, I, I'm sure they will try to add some depth out there. Um, but that's really, to me, you know, as much as anything, that's where you can really go out and fine-tune during the season at the trade deadline, yeah. add, add some depth. And, you know, you by the time we got to October, you know, probably the best reliever in the major leagues was Kevin Ginkle of Arizona. And <laughs> I, I don't think we were saying that. And, you know, look at look at all the places Josh Spores has traveled, and and here's the guy they wanted on the mound in the ninth inning. Um, you know, guys, it's so much um, confidence in throwing strikes and trusting your stuff uh, has so much to do with being able to pitch in those big moments, and those guys did it. You know, and the flip side of that. Um, you know, we saw a guy that I would argue should be a Hall of Fame closer in Craig Kimbrell, who, you know, in the championship series just sort of melted down for the Phillies. And, you know, that's like so much that epitomizes that crapshoot of the postseason, I think. You know, there are very few Mariano Rivera's that will just roll out there. You know, I, I did love Arizona's closer, Paul Seawald. Mm-hmm. who they got from Seattle at midseason. I loved watching that guy pitch in, in the postseason. It seemed like he pitched every time they played. Um, you know, And he would throw those 93-mile-an-hour fastballs almost waist-high, and guys would swing and miss. I mean, the whiff rate on his fastball in the postseason had to be well over 50%. And, you know, to the to my eye, they were they were sort of nothing pitches, but they were that – um, kind of rising fastball they talk about, which is really just a fastball that holds it tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks so simple, but guys couldn't hit it. And, you know, there's another guy like like Kevin Ginkle, his teammate, that was uh, a force in October. Phil, the, uh, speaking of the D-backs, uh, they had a tremendous year. And going forward, you'd have to think the World Series experience will pay dividends for this young core down in Arizona. Um, I, it's not going to be 20 years. Like, there, there's no way. Uh, although, you know, Andrew's been wrong before. <laughs> uh, but if I told you that the D-backs, or may, maybe not I told you, if you had to guess when the D-backs are back in the World Series, do you think five years is too little time? Probably. Um, you know, not not based so much on their talent or, you know, the fact that they're in the, the Dodgers division, which is where nobody would want to be. Um, it, just, the, just the odds. 
just the the numbers, what it takes. You know, the fact that both these teams in the World Series this year got through uh, three rounds of playoffs to, before they got to the World Series, you know, I'm not smart enough to know what the odds are of even teams advancing, winning three times to get to the fourth round. But at, by that point, you got to be in double figures. You got to be beyond ten to one. You got to be at fifteen or twenty to one. And so I, I think the the numbers always work against everybody. You, you go back and look at the Texas teams that went to the World Series in 2010 and 2011. The Josh Hamilton Texas teams. Those were really strong teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and they couldn't do it. Look at look at the Cubs, uh, who who couldn't get back after 2016 when it looked like they were set up to be the next dynasty in baseball. It's just such a hard thing to navigate the postseason round because a, a baseball favorite is such a relative non-favorite compared to <laughs> pretty much a, a, any other sport. I mean, it's not the NFL. The, the best team doesn't win 80% of the time or whatever time percent you would say an NFL favorite wins. In, in baseball, it's just different. So, you know, you, you really do need to – Seize the opportunity when you have it. Phil, uh, I'm wondering about the teams that didn't make it through those rounds of playoffs that, you know, maybe we expected to the Dodgers, the Braves come to mind, uh, teams that were dominant during the uh, regular season that weren't able to navigate October the way the Rangers and Diamondbacks were. Out of those teams, who do you look at as someone um, that maybe goes into next year as a favorite. Is it the is it the Braves? Is it the the Dodgers? Who do you like? Yeah, it's it's probably the Braves. Um, you know, their their combination. I mean, you you watched. Um, you know, nobody could get Acuna out. I mean, he was he was uh, just devastating. You know, kind of a modern version of Barry Bonds in the in the postseason and. You know, you put that with having some of the best young pitchers. Spencer Strider uh, is sort of the calling card, but there's a lot of other guys. Um, so you would probably say Atlanta, I would think. Although, you know, you put put it in context, they're in probably the toughest division. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's going to be rough too. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that kind of is when you think watching this – play out in October when teams like uh, the Braves went to the wayside you kind of figure it's going to be uh, you know and an October when anything really can happen Phil real fast here got about 30 seconds there was plenty of teams that had a down year who would be your choice that's prone for a bounce back um boy that's uh that's a tough one, but uh, you know, can can we count this as a down year for the Dodgers because of the way it the way it ended? I, I would probably say the Dodgers because they just have so much great so much great talent in their organization. So I, give me the Dodgers if we can really call this a down year. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Rogers, he covers Major League Baseball for Forbes. Phil, we appreciate your time. Have a have a nice relaxing off season. All right, thanks a lot, guys.
That's Thanks, Phil. Bill Rogers from Forbes. He covers Major League Baseball. Coming up next, we've got our very own Mike Sauter joining us to talk about a crazy busy high school sports weekend here in the state of Nebraska. Coming up next on Herd at Sports Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Mike Sauter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike Sauter. Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot. Mike, Mike Sauter. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Ravi Lula with Andrew Rogers. We're brought to you by our friends at Big Brothers Big Sisters. It is their mission to support one-to-one mentoring relationships that unite the power and promise of youth. Go to MentorOmaha.org to sign up to become a big, or maybe you're a little tight on time. You can go to MentorOmaha.org and donate money, donate tickets to events. You can, if you're a business owner, you can invite uh, matches, pre-existing matches to your business. You can sponsor events through Big Brother Big Sister. There's a ton of ways to get involved, even if you're not sure about becoming a big yet get involved with big brothers big sisters in all of those other ways at mentoromaha.org all right joining us now he's the uh big brother of the herd at sports crew <laughs> is our guy mike Sauter. mike what's going on man uh just got home a little bit ago so um early morning for you gonna be home yeah 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 it's all right though all good um so gonna be home for a little bit, and then uh, gonna leave, and then gonna come back home, and then <laughs> leave again. But all, all all good in the solder hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Elective elective surgery for my wife, so it's nothing. It just yeah. Okay, it's, good. Uh, crazy, but solder. You mentioned your schedule. You were texting us early this morning about. I think you were in Lincoln for seventeen hours a couple days ago. You. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Free Hill got a block. Here come the Huskers. Newsom. Six. I love Quinn Newsom. Hold was good. Kick is up. Long enough. And good enough. From 55, a career long for Tristan. 
Justin Albano. Really excited to see it go through ourselves. It was amazing. And the ball's intercepted. Picked off by Tommy Hill. That's an INT. He's on the 15 to the 20. Breaks a tackle. Skirts to the outside. 25. Makes an inner man miss. Slides his way to the 28-yard line. Tommy Hill's second pick in his many weeks. This is Sparta! Give it to Johnson. Johnson up the head. Touchdown, Nebraska. Ready your breakfast and eat hot. Fourth and 12, Park. Picked up again. Tommy Hill, his second pick of the ball game. We will stand and fight. Back into the end zone. It'll be a safety. A new age has begun. Wide open is Jalen Lloyd. The throw, he makes a catch. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Spartans! Tonight, we dine in hell! Touchdown, Nebraska! The ball picked up by the Huskers. Scooting down the sidelines. Quinn Newsom to the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! You fight if it means you die. You fight, fight, you fight. Take for what you want. And I'm just waiting for something to happen. Who's the guy that's supposed to make the difference? I'm surrounded by it. And you guys freaking do it. We on the same page? Fight, fight, fight! We're in for one wild night. We are in for one wild night. Both today and tomorrow, <laughs> we've got high school basketball, or high school uh, volleyball coming out of right. our ears. We got high school football coming out of our ears. Omaha we got hockey. Omaha hockey. We've got Creighton basketball. We got Nebraska volleyball. We got Creighton volleyball. It is a busy sports weekend here in. Oh, uh, Omaha in Nebraska in general. That we just are, sounds like a normal weekend for us. I was going to say, right? <laughs> it is. Uh, it's. We're live here on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. Wherever you are in Nebraska, we've got you covered. And if you're somewhere else, get on YouTube. Get on uh, the old Twitter stream or find us on podcasts wherever, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. I did want to give a real quick plug. If you do want our coverage of high school football, high school volleyball tonight, make sure you follow at Hurt at Sports, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And you can also uh, follow, obviously, Mike Sauter or Jacob Padilla. They'll, uh, they'll be your best bets. We've got some dudes on this team. Oh, yeah. The, the high school coverage is, is unmatched. I, I'll put that up against anybody for sure. But wanted to make sure people knew where, to, uh, where they could find all that great coverage because um, everybody does work so hard and brings such a great product. So I uh, just wanted to make sure you knew where to find us. You knew where to find all that good stuff. I'll be at Creighton tonight. Um, I know you'll be at UNO Hockey, mm-hmm. right? You Omaha Hockey. Uh, and obviously we'll have a bunch of the crew out at football games and uh, the volleyball state tournament as well. So we got you covered no matter you, what you're yes, into. Yes, we do. Do you think uh, Sauter gives a, a pump-up speech to, like, Jacob? Kind of kind of like the uh... – Absolutely not. <laughs> and if he did, Jacob would just kind of stand there awkwardly and be like, Mike, what are you doing, bud? Yeah, well, I don't even <laughs> I know. I could see Sauter. I, I think JP would walk away. He <laughs> <laughs> would just be like, okay. Mid speech. Okay, Sauter. I done. could see Sauter giving a pump up speech. You see Sauter yelling, if we die, we die. <laughs> no. <laughs> you get that photo, no matter if somebody's coming at you or not. <laughs> um, I wanted to get to our. Uh, War Horse Sportsbook. You know, it's, it's supposed to be sports cleanup here, but I wanted to do some picks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to clean up some of the games we haven't got a preview yet this weekend. Let's do it. With some picks from our friends at War Horse. Just a reminder, 
Warhorse Sportsbook, not just in Lincoln, in Omaha now as well. Yeah, that is so awesome. Game changer for us for sure. You can go to Lincoln, to the casino, and place your bets, or you can go to Horseman's Park in Omaha, 6303 Q Street, and place your bets as well. You can build your bets on the app. You do have to go to either the casino or to Horseman's Park to place those bets, but the app is terrific. You can get live lines, put your bets together, then you go scan the QR code at one of those locations and place your bets. Uh, Basically, every major sporting event you can place your bets on, but we're going to talk about college football and NFL right now. Let's do it. We've got some picks that we want to make. And listen, if you like our picks, listen, this is not financial advice, but if you like our picks, you can head over to Warhorse Sportsbook. Uh, no bets, no glory. Uh, I, let's start with NFL. I want to start with NFL. All right, let's do it. Uh, we, you know, I was looking at the picks you sent me, and I was like, oh, I kind of like some of those games, but I didn't right. want to overlap. No. I, I didn't want to overlap. It would have been all right. So we're going. That's oh. actually okay, because then people are like, oh, two people like this so, game. So two of them that I like that you sent me, uh, well, the first one was Chiefs-Dolphins. You like that one as much as I do? I do. Dude, I'm getting so much heat for that, I especially think, in my Pick'ems League. They're like, I think, how do you have the Chiefs so high? I think they're just prone for a bounce back. Uh, yeah, I think Chiefs are winning this game, and I, I think they're going to win it. Um, I don't know if convincingly, but I think they're going to cover the one and a half or two, depending right. on where you Right, and got you know, it. I kind of thought about this game and thought, what can Miami do that the Chiefs can't do better? Yeah, I mean, so the, the, one, the one X factor there is – Tyreek Hill, right? Because Kansas City doesn't have anybody like that. But I think the Kansas City defense but is dramatically better. than KC's defense is better than Miami's, yes. Exactly. And I like Miami's defense. So, give me I like some of their pass rushing. But Mahomes can do everything Tua does. Their success rate on offense, the Chiefs, that mm-hmm. is, top five, while Miami's defensive allowed rate, 27th yeah. in the NFL. That right there is all I need to know for why the Chiefs are going to win this game. Plus, I think losing to Denver was huge yeah. for this game because they're not going to want to lose twice. Yeah, you can't. The, any chance of them overlooking the Dolphins went right out the window with the loss to Denver. So I'm with you there. Plus, the a Tyreek revenge game would have looked much better at Arrowhead mm-hmm. than it does in Germany. Absolutely, yeah. So I give think- me Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and I think Mahomes will make less mistakes than Tua, and that will win the Chiefs the game, and they will cover. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also had, because this is one that you didn't put on there, so I want to toss it out there as well. I like the Eagles minus three over the Cowboys. That one I don't have a ton of analysis on. I just think the Eagles are better. I think they're a better football team. I think they are too. I think they're uh, going to play well against Dallas. It's a rivalry game. They've played well. Jalen Hurts better clean up his act. He does need to clean up a little bit. But at the end of the day, I just think the Eagles are better. Three's not a big number. I feel okay about that. The other two I like, Browns minus eight against the Cardinals. That's I think a lot of people I, like that just the because the like. Browns defense may it's be the best in football. Down Plus, to minus seven this morning. They're facing a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Like Clayton Toon is not going to no. just light the world on fire no. in Arizona. Uh, the Browns will cover. And then Raiders minus one and a half against the Giants. This one's a little bit of a bolder I'll pick. Say that one I wasn't as I wasn't as, as good on. Especially because yeah. Daniel Jones is going to be back this week. Yes. So, but what's he look like after being off? Uh, I kind of just leaned the direction of Aiden O'Connell and a new head coach. Plus, Adams is unhappy, and he said today that he's ready to run through a brick wall for his new head coach, mm-hmm. just like Shane over there. So, give me the Raiders at home, minus one and a half. There is a lot, and I don't remember the stats specifically, but there is also there's a real thing about the week after you fire a coach, there's usually a bump. Um, and the Raiders might be experiencing that bump. My other two, I like Bengals over Bills. They had a five-game bump last time this happened three years ago. Rick Bas- uh, Rich Basaccia, yep. was that the one? Yep. Um, 
I like Bengals minus two over the Bills. I just think the Bengals are playing well right now. Obviously, we saw how they played against the 49ers. Also a home game. Also a home game for them. I like the Bengals over the Bills. I think they found their stride. And I'm Joe Burrow finally looks healthy and good to me. So, like, to me, he's basically I, – I, I have him second in the league after Mahomes in terms of quarterbacks. I'm taking uh, the Bengals minus two. And then I like the Colts plus two and a half against the Panthers. Mm, Minshew mania. I like I like Minshew. I think he's functional, and I think the Panthers are just that bad. I don't think they should be favorites against anybody. They, they're a good defense, and I think that's why they get the edge. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't hate that play. What do you like on the college slate? College side, I'll go real quick here. I And a couple of these yeah, are just big. Just give me all three in a row. A couple of these are big numbers. I like Florida State minus 21 and a half Oof. against Pitt. That's a big number, but Pitt's awful. Yeah, but I also thought, like, Boston College was awful when Florida State played them with a 20-point fave. That was an outlier. And, but the, since then, they really have beaten up people pretty good. That's kind of why I'm back on that Florida State bandwagon. I'm going to go against our guy B here. I like Georgia minus 15.5 against Missouri. Okay. I think Georgia's fine in a groove, and they I made, made a little money off them last week with their with them uh, up the way they played. I like them minus 15.5 against Missouri. I think Missouri's just not in the same neighborhood as them yet, even though they're having a really nice year. My last one. I do agree with B on this one. I like Ole Miss minus three over Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is on their way to another disappointing year after a pretty decent start. And I think Ole Miss is way better than we give them credit for. We just totally forgot about them after that Alabama loss. And Loki, now they're number 10 in the college football playoff. I like Ole Miss a lot. Speaking of Bama, I like the LSU-Bama over. It's the first time I'm riding with B all year with this play. Bad defense, yes, for LSU. But Alabama's going to have to score 40-plus to win this game. Mm -hmm. And you know LSU is going to score 40-plus to win this game. It's going to be like 41-34 or 41-40, something like that. My favorite play of the week. Arizona plus three against UCLA. Okay. The Wildcats, FBS best, 7-1 ATS this year, including 5-0 against the spread as an underdog, covering by 17 points per game. Robbie, Man, they're per game. Way better this year than I expected. And then give me the military school army plus 18 and a half. Look, I love me some Air Force, <laughs> but here's your little nugget. Service Academy's catching over two tutties. 42, 24, and 2. That's 63.6% since 05. 17, 6, and 1 with a 9.8 point per average covering margin when the total closes at 48 or less. Matt Verzal coming up next. As we wrap up the show here on a Friday, I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln, for this third hour, we appreciate uh, all of you joining us here today and I hope you get off to a good weekend. Um, we are efforting Matt Verzal. We'll see if we can get a hold of him. But uh, in the meantime, man, we talked about all that's going on across the uh, metro and state in general. You know, th that is kind of the one, and I know you're going to be at Omaha Hockey tonight. Mm -hmm. That is kind of the one bummer about kind of having a specific beat or something that you cover, like, I would love, not that I don't love Creighton basketball and exhibitions, <laughs> but I would love to be able to get out to some Omaha or, or, or some yeah, some Omaha area I high know school what you football mean. games. I would love um, to be in Lincoln watching state volleyball. Oh, absolutely. Um, joining us now is our guy, Matt Verzal, former Husker owner of Paisons Pizzeria. Verz, what's going on, man? What's up, boys? How we doing? We are oh, doing It's well. a Friday. Yeah, can't complain about a Friday. Uh yeah, are you are you gonna be able to be out at uh at Scut tonight or is the is Pizons keeping you busy? Uh we are looking pretty good right now. 
we got one that's kind of hinging on, so we'll see how they feel. Make sure their tummy doesn't hurt or <laughs> they don't have a sniffle. But, yeah, we should be able to make it over. Versus Scott. Uh, great showing in the first round, 42-14, that final over Gross. Have Blair now on the docket. Blair won a close one over Plattsmith, uh, also a dog in that game, so they kind of pulled off an upset. Um, what do you guys like uh, that you're doing well right now, and what do you think Blair offers that's going to be maybe a little tougher uh, to plan for in this game? Blair is – I think people – kind of slept walk on Blair. Uh, Blair, very athletic team. They've got good size at, at the interior parts of, of their team. They, they've just got – they're very well coached. Um, for my guys up front, um, 79 for them, not a big fan of getting blocked. So <laughs> that will be a challenge for my guys. 53 is not far behind him. And then, you know, the, the – the things that jump out, number one for them, has a tremendous amount of speed. Their quarterback does a real good job of, of, of running their offense. He's not there managing their offense. He, he runs it very efficiently, so he's, he's impressive. Um, unfortunately, you know, they got a couple guys banged up. That Plasma-Blair game, Plasma plays a, a rough style football. Blair said, we're your huckleberry. We'll be waiting. And, and they, <laughs> they played a rough too. So it, it was – in games like that, though, you know, sometimes guys get, get dinged up. I think they lost one with a broken collarbone, and then Oof. they got another. Uh, number six for them is, is tough. He, he is a tough mug, and he is gonna he's going to get after it tonight. So we'll, uh, we, we got our hands full. We know that, and uh, we got to go out and, and just try to be the best version of Scott football in 2023 we can be. And, and if we do that, we'll let the cards fall where they may. Burrs, I know that you really value, you know, you mentioned some of the toughness of, of Blair there. I know you that's something you really value in terms of the, the mentality and attitude of football players. Has there been anybody on this Nebraska team, as we kind of shift our focus here, has there been anybody on this Nebraska team that you've particularly, has particularly stood out to you in terms of their mentality and toughness? Uh, probably number two, Gifford. Mm. He, um, he was one I, I was I was nervous about when it started. I was like, man, I don't know about this cat. Not quite sure the things that I've seen him do on film don't really hit my eye right, which I don't play secondary, so that's probably a common thing. <laughs> but the way the way he's played the last you know two three games mm -hmm. is it, it's the way it should be done. It, it's a hundred miles an hour, but inside the system. Um, not out of place a whole bunch, makes good, you know, he has a couple huge pass breakups in some games. He makes some great tackles in games. I mean, he, he I think, is kind of the one they turn to for leadership on that defense. Just me watching communications in between plays, I, I don't know that for certain. But he's been one that, that, thankfully, I was very wrong about when it all started. So tip of the cap to him and, and everything he's gotten done this year. It's been fun to watch. Verse, as we look ahead to Michigan State tomorrow, earlier we did our three keys to the game for this matchup. What would you say are your three keys to the game for Nebraska? Um, my three keys. I would say number one would be defense. Just do what you do. Mm -hmm. 
Number two would be offense. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. And three would be special teams. Make the plays you're supposed to make. Meaning, don't get a punt blocked. Don't get a punt return for touchdown. If you're punting it to the right and it goes left, don't just assume it's going to the right. <laughs> Remember last time we were in East Lansing, that did not go well. Um, do all those little things. Don't, don't, you, you did block one last week. It was inside your system. Don't get crazy and rough a punter. And, you know, if, if the opportunity is there, take it. But take it inside of your system. Don't, don't get a silly penalty that's going to cost your team. And, you know, if they can do that, there's, I mean, Michigan State, you, they can, they'll win that game if, if they do those things. And, and then at that point, Nebraska's got house money. They're going bowling, and they, they got three games to go. Vers, you know, we've talked a lot this week, obviously, about gaining bowl eligibility and then, you know, some a little bit bigger picture of Nebraska and what they might be able to do beyond that. Um, how comfortable are you kind of thinking in those terms of, of hey, Nebraska's maybe got some things on the table at this point of the year that, that we didn't think were going to be there? Is, is that something you're even comfortable thinking about, or is it really just about like, hey, let's get to six wins and then we can maybe talk about some other stuff? No, my brain doesn't work that way. They got <laughs> what well, all they got are four games. That's all they got. Because as their head coach said, every game on there we can win, and every game on there we can get beat. So you ain't got nothing right now. And if you do get Michigan State, all you got are three more. And after those three are over, then you you get one more. So they, your your next play, next breath, next down. That's all you're thinking. You you ain't thinking, you know. Oh man, we're gonna go to Detroit. You know, you're you're, you're thinking, hey. Let's just go play. And every time we play, if we're the best version of Nebraska football we can be, now all we can do is earn more opportunity to play. And that's, that's about all, that's about all that, that can get done. But at the end of it, when it's all over, and, and if you do win another one and you do get to go to a bowl game, then, then you can sit back for a week after the season's over and say, man, we, we got something going here. We're ahead of schedule. We're, we're we're playing with house money, so let's let's take advantage of this offseason. Let's get everybody get better, get more athletic, get more agile, and now we can really kind of shake some things up. Verse, by no means is this us, you know, putting something in the air, you know, that something could uh, happen this weekend. You know, this team has struggled with injuries. But if there was someone to go down, who would you consider to be the worst loss for the team offensively or defensively at this point in the season? Uh, I'll, I'll, I, that was tough for me. I haven't played. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. That's just bad juju. I will. I will exercise my fifth amendment. That is okay. <laughs> that is okay. So, so verse, let me take yeah. it off the table. Let me ask you about a guy that's come in and replaced uh, some of those guys that have gone down. Um, Justin Evans Jenkins. You know, obviously he came in at guard. He's a true freshman. He actually got some snaps at center as well. Um, how have you looked at his ability to come in and be a, a contributor as a true freshman? How challenging is that, having played the position? Uh, it was something I thought should have happened. I, I've said it since spring ball that he should have been the guy. Mm. 
great feet. He understands leverage. He's got a mindset that he wants to be the best they got, and that's that's pretty cool. You know, that's that's pretty 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 awesome actually because I, I people want to say oh he's short and he's this and he's that. He's an ass kicker is what he is. <laughs> he's got no problem going out and doing what he wants to do. He's got no problem big, small, skinny, tall, whatever he wants to go at, he'll he'll get after it. So he's been one that it wasn't surprising to me. I think he he has the best feed on the offensive line. Verz, I want to I'm going to switch my my former question into maybe a more positive angle. What could or rather who could the Huskers use back earlier than the rest of the injuries that are currently presented because yesterday we heard coach rule bring up Buford's name we heard Billy Kemp's name Deshaun Singleton Nuri's name out of those four guys who could the Huskers most use back earlier than the rest of them um I would say any of your you know we didn't I mean are those guys receivers uh, Billy, Kemp, Kemp, Billy, yeah, Kemp. Billy Kemp yep yep Billy Kemp would be the the, the main one because I think they need Billy Kemp if if used correctly I think is your is your middle of the field short yardage first mm-hmm. down conversion guy and a guy that can um, take punts for you yeah he'd be the one Matt Verzal we appreciate your time as always good luck tonight to you and Scott and uh, we'll talk to you again next week and who else who else. Who else? Fight on Grand Island. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot about the Islanders. That's my bad. There you go. Islanders to win tonight. I'm telling you, that 4 o'clock game, GI wins. There you go. He's calling his shot. prediction. That's Matt Verzal, former Husker owner of Pizons Pizzeria. Matt, we appreciate it as always. See you, boys. Thanks, Matt. That's our week. See you.